Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the adventure. Uh, <laughs> the adventures of adventures Stacey of Stacy and Christopher. <laughs> Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Oxygen Starved Podcast, where we bring you your adventures, books, and conversations, your ABCs, from 11,000 feet. I'm Stacy, And I'm Christopher. And with us, as always, is producer Doug. Good morning, hey, Doug. Hey, hey, hey. Doug. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of Wolfman Jack there. It's Wolfman Jack or it's uh, or some television show from the eighties or seventies. You guys, you're you're showing our age. Come on. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, that was from the that was from the aughts. Yes, there you go. Better, Much better, better, better. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, kids. Oh, it's gorgeous out this week. You know, we yeah. had that massive snowstorm. We're record when are we recording this? We're a week out from that massive snowstorm, and it's lovely that. Uh, we're on the other side of it because it was a pretty dangerous thing. But boy, it, the skies are so blue. Yeah, so blue, and everything has that kind of sparkle to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this one thing I love about living in the Eastern Sierra is that you can have a a very powerful, strong, dangerous snowstorm, and it's terrible for a couple of days, and then. After it passes, it's so beautiful and it melts, the snow melts on the roads really quickly and it's not difficult to get around. And it's not like back in the Midwest or on the East Coast, I I don't think. I think it's different here. Yeah. And I I think we should just take this moment to give a big shout out to Caltrans and all the snow snow plow drivers in the towns and communities along Mono County because, boy, they really, um, they pulled it off. They work so, those folks work so hard during and in the aftermath of these storms. So yeah, yeah. yeah. great job. Yeah, for sure. But because it's so beautiful out, Christopher, you and I got to have a little adventure yesterday. Finally, we went snowshoeing. Finally, yes. And it was, oh, it was just perfect. It was so much fun. And it was a very a very kind of uh, low-level, easy threshold kind of snowshoe. You know, we went on. We went over to Shady Rest Park. Right. So, we just took our lunch break, basically. Right. Exactly. And so, our, for our listeners, Shady Rest Park is a as you're coming into the town of Mammoth Lakes on two hundred three. You can pull into the visitor center that's right right off the road there, right off of 203, and park your car. And then that leads to thousands, you know, acres and acres of groomed trails. And so that's where we went yesterday. And it was, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful day. It was so much fun. And I love to go snowshoeing. It was really just nice to be out in the quiet, you know, um, just us and the trees and, and there wasn't even really a breeze. It was just sunlight. And you know, the, they groom the trails so nicely. We stayed over to the side so that we were like chewing up the cross country ski tracks, um, just out of respect. Um, but you're right. It is, there's a number of different options you can do just within that park. We did the loop back towards town, but you can go all the way out to the new park way out there. And yeah, it was, it was just nice to be out, I should say. <laughs> it definitely it definitely was. And it was it was warm too, because there wasn't any breeze of any sort. Right. Um, and you had the you know the the sunshine in the middle of the day. It was it was fairly warm and you know, you can you can work up a, a quite a little sweat in when you're snowshoeing if you're going really hard and we we were not. Right. I was, I was we kind of meandering. <laughs> I was kind of hoping to get somewhat of my workout points yesterday through snowshoeing. And I decided afterwards, no, that was more of a walk. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. It was a snowshoe walk. It was a walk in snowshoes. Which, um, which should be something, you know, to many of our listeners who, who can't do or aren't into strenuous snowshoeing or strenuous cross country, you know, shady rest is a good option, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We, you know, back years ago when everybody in our office and, and I should say the Mono County office of education, the, the mammoth office is within a mile's distance of shady rest park. And we used to, back in the day when everybody in the office cross country skied, we would take shifts. So Mm -hmm. half the office would go cross country skiing for 45 minutes and then come back. And then the other half would go and we just head over to shady rest. And it was perfect because they had, you know, they did have groomed cross country tracks. And if you wanted to right uh, ski in those, or if you wanted to, to um, skate ski, there's room to do that too. And you could all do that all together. And the Mammoth Lakes um, Trails group, they they were the ones that actually started grooming out there in, oh, really? in Shady Rest. And I believe now the town has taken that over. But, um, yeah, it's a beautiful park. It's beautiful in the summertime. You know, they have all kinds of soccer games and volleyball games and all kinds of activities that happen there in the summer. But it's equally as trafficked, I guess, during the winter. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And within reason. And, uh, you know, I really like what you just said. That was like a whole workplace wellness thing. Like, you know, two shifts of people going off and having 45 minutes of exercise. Definitely. And it definitely cleared our minds. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was just something fun to get out of the office every day in the middle of the day. But you see in Shady Rest, you see all year round, you see people in there using using that park, using the trails for running, mountain biking. There's a campground in there too, right? Um, I think in the summer. In the summer, yes, but I think it's it's kind of, it's a fairly restricted part of where you can camp is there. It's fairly limited. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you have to make your reservations and all that kind of stuff, but yeah, it, it gets full pretty quickly. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with the area, as you're driving into Mammoth, Shady Rest is... Shady Rest. Oh, so Shady Rest would be on. I didn't. I thought you were going to keep going. I'm uh, sorry. I should have, we can't see each other, so I was just trying to throw something to you. <laughs> yeah. So as you're coming up 203 towards the town of Mammoth Lakes, um, you'll actually you'll see a sign for the Mammoth Lakes Visitor Center, which is one access point to Shady Rest Park. Or if you keep driving uh, towards towards town, just before you get to the first intersection of town, there's a, a right hand turn that you make, and that takes you. And there's a sign, and that takes you right into the park. Yeah, yeah. And and if you come in the fall, you'll see on a Saturday morning, you will see hundreds of cars turning into the park because Saturdays are the soccer league for kids. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody that has kids who has raised kids in Mammoth Lakes has been at Shady Rest every Saturday morning from <laughs> September to the end of October <laughs> with their kids at soccer games. So it's myself a right, included. It, it's a rite of passage. It is definitely a rite of passage. But, you know, it's so so much fun and it's, it's beautiful. Um, you know, the beautiful trees that are there and, um, it's great way to spend a day. It is full of shade and it is restful. So listeners find some time, find a little outdoor activity you can do if you're not in the area. And that's a little bit of shade and a little bit of rest and get some exercise in and we will be right back. Oxygen, a colorless, Odorless reactive gas, the chemical element of atomic number eight and the life-supporting component of the air. Starved, suffering a severe and damaging lack of basic material and cultural benefits. Oxygen-starved podcast, a colorless, odorless, 
culture-packed, nutritious podcast considering books, describing Mono County adventure, and engaging in informative conversation with colorful Eastside Sierra locals. Download it now. Welcome back, listeners. We're at the B portion of the podcast, the books and reading portion. Quick Yay! cheer, everyone. Yay! 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 Yeah. <laughs> oh, that gets worse every time. So let's get just right into the books and not yes. dwell on that year. So uh, this week we decided we would just talk about what we're currently reading, right, Stace? Right. Yep. It's yep. after the holidays. Some of us got books for, for gifts and um, some of us are just kind of focusing on 2021 and, and reading new things. So yeah, let me just yeah. tell you what I'm reading right now or what I just finished. Okay. Actually, I'll, I'll do both. So I was really excited to uh, uh, have The Liar's Dictionary by E. Lee Williams published this month. It's a new novel. It's very, it seems very literary. It's um, a very clever novel about the world of dictionaries. Remember I talked about Professor oh, yes. the Madman last? Yeah. So yes. this just out of entire coincidence, this one just popped up as coming out and is brand new and, and is fiction. And I thought, well, you know, I'll just go ahead and read that. Mm-hmm. It's very clever. It's um, w- extremely well-written. It's also something that I found a hard time getting into. And I think that's just where my mind space is right now. I know uh-huh. I'm going wa- to want to finish this book, but there was no way I was going to finish it enough in time for this podcast. So I set it aside and I picked something completely different. Okay. And that complete, and now for a second, I thought like dictionaries was going to be like your theme for 2021. And I'm, I'm kind of relieved that we're we're pivoting. Yeah, I think, I think listeners will be too. For those of you who are, who are totally into language and everything, I'll come back to that dictionary book another time. But what I picked up instead was something that just would suck me in and I could read it in two nights and it right. was really, really good. And I'm anxious to recommend it to folks. It is a second novel by Julia Claiborne Johnson that just came out this January. It's called Better Luck Next Time. It is is a Barnes and Noble book club pick. It has gotten all sorts of great reviews, including a starred review in Publishers Weekly who described it as rollicking, which, Mm. you know, you always love these words that people only ever use when they're describing a book or a movie. And I think rollicking is one of those words Mm -hmm. because you and I just don't use that in common conversation, do we, We, Stace? We don't, but maybe we should, Uh, you know. (laughs) It's quite a fun word if you think about it. (laughs) (laughs) So the premise of this book is a divorce ranch or a a dude ranch in Nevada back in pre-World War II times. So, um, you know, most of our listeners will remember, not remember, will know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not going to insult the age of our listenership. (laughs) But back in the early 20th centuries, it was darn near impossible, if not really difficult, to get divorced in most of the United States. States had different restrictions and what have you. It made it really difficult, except for the state of Nevada, where all you had to be was basically a resident. And so to become a resident of Nevada, you had to live within the state borders for six weeks without stepping foot outside the border. So there, this was the days before Bugsy Siegel created Las Vegas. People weren't going down there. Reno was the place to be if you were going to Nevada. And unless you were in mining um, or gambling, most of the reason you went to Reno was to get divorced and live there for six weeks. And so these divorce ranches popped up catering to people who would come from all over the, the country to live there for six weeks and then go into a court and have a judge null their their marriage. So uh, this is uh, centered around a divorce ranch in Nevada in 1938. It's told from the perspective of a young man named Ward Bennett, who is a 25-year-old single ranch hand on this, on this ranch. The middle-aged couple who runs this ranch tends to hire uh, young, good-looking Southern ranch hands Mm -hmm. um, because most of their clientele are women. And in fact, you know, whenever they're out doing chores out and about on the ranch, they're kind of instructed to go shirtless all of the time because apparently (laughs) 
Apparently that's the thing. Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, And what you learn about Ward uh, from his telling is that he's actually from a well-to-do family um, back east, but that family fell on hard times. He's an ex-Yale student and what have you. And so he left and went to work on the Hoover Dam and then eventually found his way to working on a dude ranch, much to his parents' chagrin. So uh, it's all written from his perspective and in his voice, which is um, really well done. Mm -hmm. The other characters in the book are largely these women who are coming in from different parts of the country to get their divorce. And so there are different kind of stereotypes um, that that are brought in that you would kind of recognize. It's almost like a 1930s movie. There's mm-hmm. the, the, the tall, striking, beautiful blonde who flies in on her own airplane and, you know, just brings this irrepressible sense of adventure and is always up to something <laughs> and, and has been married before and will probably be a repeat customer of this ranch because that's <laughs> her, her thing. There's the young, beautiful wife who... Um, just had it with a cheating husband and in a snap decision, just left San Francisco and drove in one day all the way to Reno. And she's Mm -hmm. kind of during the six weeks process, she's kind of like, do I, or don't I go through with this divorce? And there's the young woman who's just getting cheated on by her husband and, and just trying to protect some settlement for herself. You know, they've all got their different scenarios and it's a colorful cast of characters, which I love. Right. Um, and they all kind of, the the writing is all very snappy. The wit, the dialogue is very witty. The pace of the writing is very quick. It really is like watching an old time movie. And um, the author Julia uh, based this book. She didn't base it on her father's experience, but her she learned as an adult that her father had worked on one of these ranches wow. back in the nineteen thirties. <clears throat> and in fact, he met his first wife who was a client of the ranch he was working at. <laughs> she was a beautiful, wealthy woman, and he married her. She was his first wife, and he was her second out of six husbands. Oh, my. <laughs> so, you know, you can tell that Julia, the author, is pulling some of this this from, you know, kind of family stories or family right. lore. The author was interviewed by Writer's Digest, and she said something about this book, which I liked, that she was asked, what do you want readers to get out of this book? Mm-hmm. And she said... She said two things. How much happiness in our lives depends on luck, which is mm, a, interesting. A, a theme of this book. And mm-hmm. also how little chance anyone has at winning at the game of life if they aren't willing to pull up a chair to the table and ask to be dealt in, which I thought was also really perceptive, you know? And and very much a Vegas kind of reference, right? <laughs> Nevada reference, cards and yeah, gambling. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely a Nevada, Nevada reference there. <laughs> so is um, this... Is this book more about the relationship? I mean, it, does it go into the relationship between and amongst the clients? Or is it more between Ward Bennett and his relationship to the clients? Both, in the sense that it's a kind of a snapshot of one kind of six-week window. So it's just like okay. that current cadre of women mm-hmm. and the people who work at the brand at the ranch. So there's Ward and there's another ranch hand, Sam, and then there's the couple who runs it and what have you. And it's, um, largely the situations that the women are going through, um, very sympathetic and respectfully presented as much as it's witty and funny. Um, and then how they kind of entangle Ward in their different hijinks. Oh. Um, and so he kind of just, finds himself pulled into things. I won't go into any more detail there. Um, but it's really well, it's, it's kind of really well done. There's a, there's quite a few chuckle out loud moments. Um, and again, it's just a really quickly paced read. Um, and I think a lot of people will enjoy it, uh, especially this time of year, if you're stuck right. at home or you're not, you're not someone who's out skiing or something like that. Um, and you're looking for something really easy to read and engaging. It doesn't take a whole lot of effort um, this is, this is the book. So it's called better luck next time by Julia Claiborne Johnson. We're getting copies in the library. You can find it at your local bookstores. It's brand new. Her earlier book was called be Frank with me. That came out about four or five years ago. That was also a good book. This is her second novel. Well, it sounds like rollicking is a very, um, apt description for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. This could Sounds be a, like a lot of fun. This could be like a Coen Brothers movie or something like that. It could be a really kind of fun, 
fun movie to make if they ever adapt it. I don't know if anyone will, but it's, this isn't, it's not going to win the Pulitzer, this book. It's just going to entertain. <laughs> and that's perfect, right? Yeah. yeah so what did you read, perfect. Stace? Well, I, I have two books and that I, that I've completed. And the first one I'm going to talk about actually is in a way is a little bit similar to better luck next time in that it brings together a group of people in a way you would, they would have never thought to be together, right? right? It's kind of like a slice of life kind of situation and it takes place really over the course of one day. Oh, I love it. And it's called Anxious People. It's by Frederick Bachman, who's oh. one of my favorite authors. <laughs> love yeah, you, him. You've spoken about him before. I have, yes. Bear Town, which was also by him, which I talked about the f- in one of our first few episodes of the podcast was right. is you know, was one like my favorite book of 2019, but this is his new book. It was published in 2020 in the fall of 2020, I believe. Mm -hmm. And basically in one sentence, eight people become unlikely friends during a hostage situation created by an inept bank robber. (laughs) This could also be a Coen's brothers movie. It it definitely, it definitely could. And you know, the way that this book is written Bachman does not write it in a linear fashion. So mm-hmm. it doesn't like start. I mean, it's although it starts out with the bank robber trying to rob a bank that is has no money. It's just like it's almost <laughs> like an ATM with, you know, it's not even an ATM. You know, there's this bank is one of I don't know. I've never heard of a bank with no money, but the bank doesn't have any cash. <laughs> <laughs> And so the bank robber is all distraught that they can't even rob a bank and they go across the street to kind of escape um, before the police come Uh and they stumble into this, like a real estate open house. (laughs) And this is, this is where the, you know, the eight people, including the real estate agent are and the bank robber kind of rolls in with the mask, you know, the typical quintessential bank robber mask. Oh boy. And, um, a a toy gun that people don't realize right away is a toy. Um, but then it goes, you know, and then it goes into the story of how the relationships between the bank robber and, or in the hostage taker, I guess, and the, the people in the apartment at the open house, and then the two police officers um, who are called to the scene, who are actually father and son. Oh, boy. You know, and how, they, how the story is woven together kind of goes back and forth. It goes back and forth between characters. It goes back and forth in time. Um, and the, it, there are definitely laugh out loud moments. Bachman is, has such a great sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And those moments really are juxtaposed against these kind of heavy themes that, um, even though they don't, he doesn't hit you over the head with the theme, but there's definitely, um, parts of this book that deal with, um, depression. Some of the characters, you know, are facing depression, there is definitely several characters who have experienced the loss of loved ones, mothers, spouses, and how they are handling their grief. Yeah. And so those are, you know, those are pretty heavy themes, but they don't drag the book down. No. You know, there's definitely, he definitely portrays them with, with a light touch. And um, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about this, but when I was doing the research for behind this book, um, I came across the term Stockholm syndrome. Right, right. So that is a condition that was named for a bank, a botched bank robbery in Stockholm. Oh, was and, it? Yes. And so in that situation, there were four bank employees. They were taken hostage, taken hostage by the bank robbers, and they bonded with them. And ended up at the end of the whole thing, they had empathy and love for these bank robbers. So coined the term Stockholm Syndrome. And that's kind of what happens here. So 
Real quick question, yeah. just so I'm understanding it correctly. They botch the bank robbery because they've chosen a bank that doesn't have any cash, and they run across the street. Are they are they holding the hostages for money, or is it just because they found themselves still with their masks on and exactly? Okay. Yeah, they just they they just ran into because you know how open houses are, right? <laughs> the door is open. Yeah. So they just stumble into this open door and okay. then kind of, you know, look around and then hear all these people and they're they're looking at each other and, you know, and there's never any intention. Like none of the none of the people at the real estate open house ever feel the least bit threatened. Really? Or scared by the bank robber. Oh, that's funny. So um, it's very charming the way that he develops the relationships between all the characters. And, you know, you really kind of, even though not all the characters are likable, you really kind of end up falling in love with them. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Are Are they all sympathetic characters or are you supposed to like the bank robber? I think you are supposed to feel empathy for the bank robber. Cool. Yeah. Um, And it's told from, you know, like the third person perspective, like the person outside who sees everything that's going on. Right, right. And so you get, and occasionally that narrator throws a little bit of extra context in. Oh, and good. sometimes it's that extra context that is so funny. <laughs> like those are the, the really funny gems. So, so anyway, so that's Anxious People by Frederick Bachman. Loved it. Awesome. Very engaging uh, book. Great. But I read another one, another book, very, very different, um, called The Fortunate Ones. And this is written by Ed Tarkington. Mm-hmm. And I had seen this on, um, you know, books you should read in 2021 list. Mm-hmm. And I just happened to find it on the libraries. Thank you, Mono County Libraries, on their Hoopla uh, link. Yay, thanks you for the plug. Can, yeah, you got it. So you can download, re- listeners, you can download books with your library card, and it's very easy. So I downloaded this book. Um, it's published in January 2021, so it's just brand new out. Mm-hmm. And I finished this book in less than two days. Wow! And it's a it's a it's not short. It's you know it's over 300 pages, but I could not put it down. I, um, so the the book is set in Nashville in the 80s and the 90s, and it's the story of a young man. His name is Charlie Boykin. And he is born to a single teenage mother. And when she discovers she's pregnant, she comes from an upper middle class family in the mm-hmm. South. Yeah. So she's like, her parents want to send her away mm-hmm. and give the baby up for adoption. And she's not about that. So she runs away and she raises her son on her own. And she, as a cocktail waitress in this bar, develops you know, a clientele who are wealthy. Mm -hmm. And through these, these associations, she's able to get her son, Charlie into a wealthy private school on scholarship. Okay. And at this private school, Charlie is taken under the wing of an older student named Archer, Archer Cray, and his two good friends, um, who are twins Jamie, who also, they all go to school together, the boys. Mm -hmm. And then Jamie has a twin sister, Vanessa, who goes to the girls' school. And as he becomes better friends with these very privileged kids, Charlie very quickly gets used to what it is like to be, to live in that very privileged, upper-class, one-percenter world. Right, right, okay. And then eventually, uh, he and his mom are invited to move on to the estate of the twins and live in their guest house. Mm-hmm. And his mother is given a job by the twins' mom. And, you know, they, they, they become a part of that upper-class society, even though they know behind their backs everybody's kind of talking about them and that they're not really part of 
society. Um, and then it just follows Charlie as he grows up and graduates from the school and how he discovers that just having money, just having access is not what makes you happy. It's not what is the definition of success necessarily. And the book starts kind of in the, the pro there's a prologue uh-huh. of the future of, you know, like 10 years in the future. And then it go and something happens, something, there's been a big event. I'm not going to give it away. And that, that big event is what causes Charlie to start thinking back to kind okay. of how he got to that point. Um, so is it, it sounds kind of like, and maybe the big event plot is, is, is going to say something different than what I'm about to say, but it sounds like it's a character driven novel from what absolutely. you're describing. Okay. Yeah, def- definitely is, you know, with, with Charlie being the, the main character and the, the point of contact for all the other characters, right? Yeah. He's the, he's kind of the hub of the novel. Right. And, um, you know, there, there were definitely points in the story where I was like, well, wait, you can't move on from it yet. <laughs> you know, there, I, I wanted, I wanted like a little more information. Um, but yet that might have dragged the novel down. Right. You know, wh- whereas in this case, it, it, it really moves fast and you just want to stay on the ride. That sounds like it um, must be if you read it within two days. That's that's another. It sounds like the book I read, where it just kind of sucks you in, and you want to get to the end. Totally did it. To I mean, you just you like these characters despite their flaws, and you kind of want to find out what is going to happen next, and if what you anticipate is going to happen, and and then you know, and then because of the prologue, you're. I mean, for me, as I was going through what brought him to that first point I was always gonna think well when's when's this gonna happen or what is the event that's gonna trigger x right you know and I wasn't I I didn't think I didn't plan I didn't think right about any I was (laughs) 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 but the ending was satisfying nonetheless it, it it really was and um I just, I really enjoyed it. Listeners, if you want a really easy, it's not easy. I mean, it's not like it's a, I wouldn't classify this as a palate cleanser. Right. It doesn't sound like it. You do have to give, bring something of yourself to it, but it's just really in both books, really engaging characters, um, great plot. And so that was, that is the fortunate ones by Ed Tarkington. So well, listeners, yeah. we've given you some, some good titles. We hope you'll check them out and hope you'll let us know what you're reading these days. And we look forward to hearing from you, but take a deep breath and we'll be right back. Ample oxygen is a basic requirement for human molecular metabolism. Welcome back listeners. We have arrived at the conversation part of our podcast and today we are so thrilled to have joining us Stacy Corliss who is our representative from District 5 on the Mono County Board of Supervisors and we're so glad that you've joined us Stacy. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome Stacy. Thank you for having me on. I'm honored. We are honored that you are joining us because <laughs> we, you have a very busy job, my friend, and uh, this is your second term on the Board of Supervisors, correct? That's right. I'm in the middle of my second term. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so we'll, we'll get more to how you how that is going and, and what all that involves in a minute. But first, can you share with our listeners, how did you get to Mono County? What brought you here? Well, like a lot of people, so I grew up in Southern California and like so many Southern Californians, um, I knew Mammoth from uh, skiing on Mammoth Mountain. As a kid, uh, we would we would come up on family ski trips, you know, once a nice. year or so. So that's how I knew about Mammoth. But I became a resident of Mammoth by dropping out of a PhD program. And uh, <laughs> Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and what was, what was that? What was the subject of the program? So I was uh, studying at UC Berkeley, um, studying uh, German language, literature, and culture, 
And my focus work was early modern literature and history. So it was really interesting. And someday I'm going to go back and finish that. Um, and I was working on, um, kind of the, the, the first, um, the, the emergence of first person language and kind of self identity and self representation in, um, Germanic literature and specifically in the German language and not in Latin. So not like, you know, city chronicles written in Latin or church literature, Mm -hmm. looking at, um, self-representation and identity. And this, so this is in the 15th century. Wow. Oh my gosh. We are going to need to have a conversation offline, Stacy, because I studied, studied medieval French for, for many years. So we, we'll, we'll have to follow up this at another time. Yes, I would love to. I look forward to that. Yeah, I don't, I don't often get to bust out my knowledge of middle high German. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast. Yeah. That is a different, yes, yes. I do, <laughs> I do speak German, you know, regular German, a little Swiss German, but the middle high German, yeah, we'll, we'll see that <laughs> another time. Wow. So wait a second, let's get back to the crux of the story here. Are you blaming Mammoth that you stopped a PhD program? What was the dynamic there? So what, I, I think this is a very typical Mammoth and Mountain Town story. I came to Mammoth, I was taking a break. Ah. Mm-hmm. I was taking a break. Um, so I was working on my PhD. I had done my PhD exams. I was uh, doing a fellowship in Germany, and w- which was great. I, you know, and again, I had come to Mammoth before, but what, what really lured me back is, so this was 1997, and I um, spent a summer in Mammoth. So I'd always grown up as a kid skiing there, mm-hmm. but I, I spent uh, some time Mammoth in in summer, and I just fell absolutely in love with the place. So, right. I spent a, a, you know a little time in the summer. Then I went to Germany to do my fellowship, and that's where I really kind of got lost in my PhD focus. You know, it was hard at the time. So, so in Berkeley, there's a, a lot of focus on you know post post structuralist literary theory. Mm-hmm. But then in Germany, there really was more traditional um, scholarship and, and more traditional academic approach where they wanted to know how your Greek was. I'm like, wow, I wow. study Greek. <laughs> <laughs> I <just> barely passed <laughs> my, uh, you know, from my exams. Um, but so I was, I was just a little lost in my direction, you know, and the, the 50-year-old me wishes, you know, she could say to the 25-year-old me, like, you got this, you know, don't worry. Right. <laughs> whatever you think, you know, you make something really cool out of this. But, you know, I just, I just was really unsure of the direction of my life and, and a career in academia. So my advisor suggested she was going on sabbatical mm-hmm. and she suggested at some point, I'm sure she doesn't remember this and would not want to be blamed for it. This wasn't her fault. She suggested, you know, I take a break and go somewhere I love. So I was like, all right, you know, and this was in Germany. I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll just plan on going back to Mammoth a little bit and just sort of get my bearings and right. see what I want to do. And that was in 1998. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So you're still getting your bearings. Still get, always. Yeah. <laughs> always. Oh, I love oh, it. Oh, that's great. I'll let you know when I find them. <laughs> <laughs> That is kind of a typical mammoth story though, right? It's, 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 I'm hearing that theme come out in a lot of our conversations. Yeah. So, you know, we do hear that quite a bit from our guests, you know, they come here, many of them have, you know, come here for the first time in their twenties and they're captivated by the mountains and the, the scenery and the beauty of this place. You had some familiarity as a, as a child with this. So when you took your break and you stayed, what did you do? Well, I think this is probably another thing I, I, having listened to your podcast, I've heard a few people reference this, you know, when you move to mammoth in your twenties and if I had a lot of jobs is what I'm trying to say, I (laughs) really pieced together. So I, but I went in, you know, I, I got it. My first job was um, teaching German at Saracoso college and and but you know that as an adjunct you know that's two classes a week you can't right. rent so um i also what did i first do i had three jobs i worked at mammoth times which i loved doing that i lo- absolutely loved being a local reporter and that probably is what made me stay 
is I just got to meet people and tell these tell their stories. At the time, you know, Wally Hoffman was the oh. editor publisher, and he. I ran into him once very randomly a few years ago at the Mono Inn, and it was interesting because I was so I was at this dinner with um, representatives from Yosemite National Park and Berchtesgaden National Park in Germany, mm-hmm. like a national park exchange thing. Right. And I, can't, I, I can't even remember someone, I guess, in the Park Service remember that I spoke German. So I got invited to this dinner, and in seeing Wally, I was like, Wally, what I'm doing right now is the kind of story you would have assigned me. But I was doing <laughs> something really cool. So working, that was great. But again, you know, they didn't really have uh, the budget for a full-time reporter. And then I also worked a little bit at Bookie Joint here and there. Yay! Yeah. yeah. I our love favorite, that. Our favorite store in Mammoth. <laughs> yes. So, Stacey, can you talk a little bit about, um, you kind of casually mentioned the National Park Exchange thing. Like, can you talk a little bit about like you're involved in you in that kind of stuff right even as an elected official you, and I think you also had a role with the friends of the Inyo at some point am I right yeah so one thing over you know that that has been a part of my life for a long time well, I think all of our obviously the outdoors mm-hmm. and the beautiful public lands that surround us I mean for I think most people who are locals know this but maybe some of your listeners who aren't local would be interested to know that Mono County is over 90% federal public land. That means it's not private land. You can't build a housing right. development on it. It's, it's owned by the U.S. Forest Service. We have two national forests, the Inyo and the Humboldt-Tayabi. Right. Uh, Bureau of Land Management, California State Parks, um, and then actually, you know, not in Mono County, but we're adjacent to Yosemite National Park and Devil's Postpile National Monument is part of the Park Service uh, just over the border in Madera County. Right. So we have a lot of public land management agencies. And, and it was really through my experience as a writer covering some of the stories. Sandy Hogan, who is still a resident in Mammoth and really involved local citizen. Um, when I first moved to town, she was the district ranger for the Mammoth Lakes Ranger District on the Inyo National Forest. And there were some big policy issues going on then that I was um, assigned to write about. And Sandy, I really got to learn about them, working with Sandy, uh, also working with um, the forest permittees, uh, you know, people who have businesses on public land, right. like pack stations. So that really is where my interest in the subject peaked. And um, yeah, Christopher, as you said, I, I transitioned into um, work in conservation. So I worked First, for, for a short stint for the Wilderness Society on a, on a local effort, I was a community organizer working to pass wilderness legislation designating mm-hmm. places as uh, you know formal federal wilderness areas. And then I, I worked for four years uh, with Friends of the Inyo, wonderful local uh, conservation organization, and was right. a executive director there. Um, and, and that's where I, you know, and I credit my friend Paul McFarland with really preaching the gospel that I became a disciple of. And that is the concept of stewardship and shared yeah. stewardship. Uh, and that's what guides all my work. And, and especially my interest in public lands remains strong and it's a huge priority for my work now. So was, was that the driver for you to run for board of supervisors was issues related to public lands? It was a big part of it. Um, it's, it's how I, got into the boardroom, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, with public lands issues. So when I worked for Wilderness Society, this was back in 2008, um, you know, we, the Board of Supervisors doesn't have the final say over something like a wilderness designation, but they have a lot of influence. So mm-hmm. uh, getting, you know, our, our then Congressman McKeon to carry the legislation, introduce the legislation, you know, he needed to know there was local support for that. And, and you know, honestly, the local support throughout the region was was far from unanimous. It was very controversial. Uh, hmm. But ultimately, the Mono County Board of Supervisors ended up passing a resolution in support of the designation uh, in the de- designations in Mono County. And it did end up creating the Owens River Headwaters Wilderness Area. So if you've right. ever... You can't put it on your show, but it's such a great hike. Glass Creek Meadow, you know, that area is wilderness because of right. this. And that's certainly a place that deserves special protection. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So I got, so I learned, but you know, you sit there and of course this is pre zoom pre uh, <laughs> which is the live streaming software we've used for the last five or six years. You know, you had to go to Bridgeport. I don't even think right. they had meetings in Mammoth back then. It, you, you went to Bridgeport to the meetings. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they had here, like for what they had a hearing in, at the Levining Community Center once for, for this particular issue. But you, but you sat through a lot of the meeting and heard what they were doing and realized, wow, uh, you know, the, this board is making a lot of important decisions that impact everyone's lives here in right. Mobile. When in, in 2013, when Bing Hunt, uh, my predecessor on the board, announced his retirement, you know, I started thinking about it. My husband really encouraged me. He's like, you have to do this. I'm like, oh, I'm <laughs> going to do it. He's like, no, no, you're, you're the somebody else. You're going to do this. So, right. so I did. And, and I, I worked awesome. Bing was great and, and helped me and encouraged me. And, you know, and Bing was the one who said to me, he's like, I know you care about the public land stuff, but, you know, really what you want to be is a good steward of the county. So I think about that a lot. Yeah. yeah. That's a Absolutely. really smart thing. And, and as such, you're involved with the rural, the RCRC. I don't, I'm afraid I don't know the whole acronym. Is that correct? You, it's, yeah, it's the Rural County Representatives of California. And I am the board chair this year for 2021. Awesome. And, and, what, and what do they do? So RCRC is a 37-county organization that basically advocates for um, California's rural counties. So each county, each, each of the 37 counties who are members has one supervisor who is a delegate to the RCRC board. Mm-hmm. And um, RCRC basically is our advocate at the state and federal level for, you know, we don't have... Mono County doesn't have lobbyists. Mm. You know, that's just not something we've ever been able to budget for. So RCRC really is our voice. Very important, very effective organization in Sacramento and um, and increasingly more in D.C. They've been, for instance, working really hard to, um, you know, help lobby to get state and federal or sorry, local and state direct relief in uh, COVID relief packages. Mm -hmm. So. Yes, it doesn't, um, you know, just stay at the federal level or, you know, for for rural counties to have us get direct funding from the next uh, federal relief package and not have it go through the state. Right. And and you're also involved in uh, the Forest Reserve funding, which is uh, very important for education in rural counties throughout the across the country in areas like ours. Yeah, you know, one thing um, with with COVID, of course, like in 2020, it's so different. One thing um, I've gotten more involved with, I think that's really important to our area that that maybe people don't appreciate as much as they should, is the um, Valentine Eastern Sierra Reserves, the University of California, mm-hmm. you know, the University of California Reserve right. System, and being on on that advisory board and being a donor to those programs. Um, well, Stacy, I know you as our, um, County office of education superintendent and as a parent, you know, uh, yep. what incredible education science based education programs they provide. Yeah, right. absolutely. And our listeners for those, I think some are familiar with it, but there's a Valentine reserve in mammoth or adjacent to mammoth. And then there's work that the UC system does out on near Crowley Lake. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, so the Valentine. So, and this is a um, a natural reserve that's affiliated with uh, University of California, Santa Barbara. And of course, as a UC alumna, I, I love all of this. And, <laughs> University of California. I did get a master's at, at UC Berkeley, by the way. I did. <laughs> um, so, uh, so what happens at the at the Sierra Nevada Aquatic Research Lab, Christopher? That's the facility you're thinking of, um, right. kind of near Crowley Lake. That the two the two campuses are are part of the same reserve, and they call it the the official name is the Valentine Eastern Sierra Reserve. But I live really close to the Valentine re- Camp, which, which is right. uh, the reserve in, it's, it's actually within the town of Mammoth Lakes in the area called Old Mammoth. And it's just incredible. It's, yeah. it's one of the few areas, you know, kind of significant chunks of land that was within the town that was never grazed or logged or developed. So the meadow systems that you see are, are pretty much, you know, 
intact. They have had to do, you know, in recent years, rightly so, some some management of the forested areas for wildfire prevention and right. And, right. But it's it's so it's an incredible research facility for scientists and provides these education opportunities for our kids in Mono County. Yeah, it is a it is a beautiful place. Christopher and I visited it there quickly a couple summers ago for the podcast and didn't realize you had to make a, like a reservation to be on there. And well, they asked yeah, us you, to you leave, should have Carol that on another time. I won't, I won't steal any of her thunder, but <laughs> you know, that's just one thing. Another thing I'm I really in, you know, involved with kind of with, with public lands issues as part of Mono County is we have a new, uh, the Eastern Sierra sustainable recreation partnership. And this is, uh, you know, Inyo and Mono County, the town of Mammoth Lake city of Bishop Alpine County, right. All these various land management agencies really working together to, you know, to, to take care of the places we all love so much and, and, and recognizing that there's tremendous pressure on, on these places, you know, as visitation increases, uh, with climate change. Yeah. Try, so try, and, and all that, all the while federal funding over the last few decades has decreased for these places. So Mm -hmm. working together to, to, to really, boost recreation in general, but that could, that can be anything from, you know, fixing trailhead parking lots and bathrooms to potentially redeveloping campgrounds and, you know, developing new trails and recreational facilities. So it's, that's exciting. That's something, you know, it's still fairly new, but, um, you know, I'm really proud that everyone has gotten together, recognized what our shared values are, what the problems are, and we're coming up with actual solutions. I find that super exciting because I think there's a lot of opportunity in that Eastern Sierra Sustainable Recreation Partnership. And my husband and I participate in those meetings. And I'm really excited to see what comes out of it, especially after this last year um, where you know so much of the regular routes and trails and campgrounds were closed. <laughs> and a lot of us really learned firsthand what stewardship really means and how, how it's impactful. That's right. Yeah. You know, the, the COVID travel boom was a thing so many places, but especially, so it's, it's interesting. I, you know, over the summer when we were in the thick of it, I, I was in a meeting with the um, chief of the U S forest service, a woman mm-hmm. a wonderful person named Vicki Christensen. And she was telling us that it's everywhere that public lands, because, you know, where do people feel safe? What, right. what do they have access to, you know, when they can't fly or, you know, go, go to theme parks and that sort of thing. So I, I hope that this, this COVID travel, but first of all, I really hope it connects people to nature and their public lands. Uh, right. But I hope for those of us involved in, in government or, you know, in management of these lands somehow that it really helps us rethink um, assumptions we make and um, kind of old, old attitudes about, who's coming to the forest and what, how we need to engage with them, how we need to message them, how we need to, you know, invite them to become stewards of the land with us. I, we, to me, this is a, a big silver lining. I know it, I, I mean, I heard from so many constituents who were very and rightfully upset this summer about, you know, perceived abuses that there were mm-hmm. people camping mm-hmm. everywhere, you know, right. maybe there, were, there was trash, there were, there were these problems, but if we can engage these, these visitors in solutions, I, you know, I think we, we just have to let go of, of assumptions that sort of these people you're behaving badly, but, you know, if we've never told people what to do or what to expect or where, where they can get help and what the resources are, you know, how, how would they know? (laughs) (laughs) This is very true. That's a great point. It's a, it, it definitely is a great point. And, I'm sure this last summer was an unending source of complete stress to you and the other members of the board of supervisors between the situations you were just describing um, as a result of COVID and then with the, the fires. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, do, do you guys ever talk about the, the relationship between the, the two, the, about, those who come to visit here who don't know the rules and fire, you know, potential sources of fire. Yeah. That, that's obviously a big concern, especially, you know, around mammoth this summer, there was a lot of 
what's called dispersed camping. And that's just camping Mm -hmm. in areas outside of um, developed campgrounds where you have a bathroom, you know, you have your own site and your own fire ring or barbecue and, and there are restrooms there. So people are allowed to, you know, there are areas that are open to dispersed camping and there's some rules around them. It's incredibly hard to actually figure out what the rules are. And, and that's something we're working on. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of fear and concern about, uh, and, and rightfully so, so many, right. so many wildland fires are human caused. Yeah. Uh, whether it's, you know, related to utilities or just an out of control campfire. So the, the, the anxiety that people felt was real. So part of that is education and, and part of it, and this is one thing that, um, that we were prioritizing at RCRC is really coming up with comprehensive solutions for wildfire prevention and response so that you don't have to live in terror that, you know, the one campfire is going to set, you know, your entire town ablaze. If we're hardening our homes, if we're creating defensible space, if we're bringing our forests back to a more healthy you know, quote unquote, natural state, um, you know, mm-hmm. we, we need to do all of these things. We need right. to say yes. And to, to a variety of solutions. And that's something that RCRC is really focused on in 2021. So I'm, and I'm glad I'm chair this year to be able yeah. to help spread that message and really help people understand that, you know, especially in the state of California, again, somewhere like Mono County, these lands are federal lands, right? Mm-hmm. We, this we this as the state of California need to invest in these places and make it easier, you know, to do good work on the ground and to not let bureaucratic red tape or administrative boundaries get in the way. That was another problem with the dispersed camping. Somebody would call, you know, can the sheriff go out here and like, well, that's city of Los Angeles land. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ask the Forest Service, okay, you know, and that just infuriates people. You know, yeah. like, what are you saying? You know, the people going to burn burn my neighborhood down. You've got, so we, we, we've got to work hard to, to really look past those administrative boundaries, make these investments. You know, the health of our forest in, in Mono County impacts the city of Los Angeles. It's, you know, it's their water yeah. supply. So just making these, you know, rural urban connections um really telling our story and 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 putting these solutions to work none of them are perfect we're not going to agree on everything but if we if we do a little bit from kind of these different um you know tools in the toolbox if we take a different tool out and make a little fix um pretty soon we'll see good results well we're we're so happy to have you as as the voice for Mono County in that fighting the good fight for it's us hard. and um, we're we're very fortunate. So, but given given all of that uh, and the, the the level of busyness of your job and everything you do, what do you like to do when you are not working? Well, I like so many of us love to be outside, and so why do I care so much about all this forest stuff? It's because I <laughs> love being in the forest. <laughs> so, um. You know, I like where I live in Mammoth. So on a summer morning, you know, I can be at the Duck Pass Trailhead in less than ten minutes. Or, I mean, Horseshoe Lake. I have I have a big dog who loves to swim. So Lake is a go to year round. Like right now, I love Nordic skiing at at Tamarack. um, You know, or but in summer, just being up there, and it's amazing. Even in such a busy summer, you know, you you can find peace and quiet. You know, I. I felt like a, a ghost sometimes in the lake space in this past summer because mm. yeah. I could just wander around off trail undet- and I would see people. <laughs> they had no idea I was there. I could probably really <laughs> scare them. But, <laughs> you know, you, you find these kind of your, your own secret roots. Somewhere like the lake space is a great place to, you know, sustainably and responsibly, you know, practice a little cross-country uh, navigation because mm-hmm. you can't really get lost. You got Mammoth Mountain on the one side, uh, the, the Mammoth Crest. Right. You look over, you see the White Mountains. You know, <laughs> you know, you can find your bearings really easily. But they're just hiking every year. I, my friends and I, try to do at least one Trans Sierra hike. You know, hiking from east to west and back. Mm-hmm. You know, there, it, it's such an incredible range, an incredible place, and you can always find a place. Uh, you know, for solitude and peace. Yeah. It's it's one of the best things about living here, I think. Yeah. 
It totally is just being able to like leave your door. And like you said, within 10 or 15 minutes, you're just out and you can be in a completely different mental space really quickly. Speaking of Stacy, um, let's, let's ask you what you're, you're reading these days, because that's also a great way to, (laughs) to center yourself. So you're an incredibly busy elected official. You're involved in all this stuff. How do you find time to read and tell us what you're reading right now? Well, you know, reading has been a big part of my life. Um, but I, I'll have to say before 2020, I wasn't reading as much as I would have liked to. Part of it too was I was reading books on my on a, on an iPad and and it, I, I finally figured out what you know the experts have been telling us forever is like get off the screens. So <laughs> in, in 2020, I you know I, I suppose it's pandemic driven and, and a, another silver lining for me. I read a ton and I started buying hardcover books. It started I was great right before you know that everything shut down. I was in Washington D.C. actually with RCRC and and the National Association of Counties for a conference and um, advocacy work. And, you know, there's a great, oh my gosh, and I'm spacing, but Christopher's going to totally rescue me right now. The awesome bookstore in D.C. in DuPont uh, Circle. Politics and prose? It's going to well, come to me. Anyway, great. There's a famous bookstore that I cannot remember the name of because my brain is fried. It's Friday. but uh, <laughs> I know exactly uh, which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just, and this was kind of dumb to do because I had to take the books back, but I bought like three and, and they were great books. I, I It was um, The Splendid and the Vile. It had just oh. come out. I'd been wanting to read Circe because of you two and Christopher's mm-hmm. posts on social media through the library. And now I can't remember the third book. Anyway, that really kickstarted my, I'm going to buy hardcover books and, and read them. And so um, I, I, that, that's what I've done and I continue to do now that it's 2021. So right now I'm reading a couple different things. I started reading Elena Ferrante's new books. I think it's oh, Little yeah. Life of Adults, which mm-hmm. she's amazing. And, you know, I, I can't wait to dig in. I have to be careful there, though, because I'm going to stay up, I, you know, the... the um, the the four part series she did I I would stay up till like three in the morning reading those things so, <laughs> <laughs> I need to sleep. so I I, I so I kind of set that aside and then I started reading Wintering by Catherine May oh yeah which is kind of a memoir mm-hmm. almost veers into the sort of like self help category but it I started reading that when last week when it was snowing so much but it's it's a really you know, she it's it's it recounts her experience of a very difficult time in her life where she, you know, retreated from the world, uh, quit her job. She had she both she and her husband had some serious health issues. So it's so it talks a lot about her experience, but also just this concept of of wintering and mm-hmm. uh, giving yourself time to to retreat, uh, experience renewal rest and, and boy, that's something we all kind of need to hear right now. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Maybe I did. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, we were reminded as we were prepping for this podcast, we were starting to ask this question more of our guests. Do you read multiple books simultaneously or do you really go one to one to one? Simultaneously, especially, I always have something actually now two going on uh, audible Mm-hmm. for driving mm-hmm. and um sometimes you know outdoors i try to i had this friend when i first moved to mammoth i she got me into running and she just always convinced me that you you should not have music on or listen to audiobooks while you're out on the trail that you just you need to just listen to what's going on around you so i try to thank you julie for that advice i still try to do that but i drive you know for driving drive not as driving as much now but so I ha- always have a couple – right now I have two going on Audible and then the two, uh, you know, books I'm reading. So that's probably excessive. <laughs> <laughs> I think that plus your day job is probably just about right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so much – and I, you know, really this podcast and Christopher, your, you know, the information, I, I always – one thing I loved, I have to say thank you in the library for this. I loved the um, – you know, the quarantine journaling prompts, because that's another thing I, I, to help maintain some, you know, semblance of sanity and balance. I do, I have 
gotten back into journaling um, last year and this year, and those journal prompts were really helpful. So I, I would look for those. I would look for the book recommendation. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I will pass that along. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that, Stacey, because we're starting a journaling section of a storytelling project we're doing with teens across the county, and it is by far the most popular segment that we've launched to date. People love, especially young people, love to journal. And well, that, I love hearing that. That's wonderful. Right? It's reassuring. It is. So, really- um, and I think it's Kramer's bookstore, right? The one just yes, more Kramer than- books. Yes. Kramer <laughs> book. Thank you. Drunk many a glass of wine in that bookstore. Yes. <laughs> Such a great bookstore. <laughs> so that's what you're reading. Are there a, a book or two that you just always recommend to people when someone just asks you for a good book recommendation, like a perennial favorite or something? You know, there are a couple. I, you know, and the other going someday I'm going to write more than just journaling someday <laughs> again in my life. When I finish my PhD, I'll have to write my dissertation, of course. But um, th- th- a couple of books I think just are so beautifully written and that have stuck with me. One is The Goldfinch by Donna mm. Tart. When did that come out? Maybe it's probably almost been, years ago. Yeah, five or six years, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I love that. I couldn't watch the movie because it's just one of those books I love. I love writing. I mean, I I remember reading the first book she wrote, you know, probably going back in the 90s, The Secret History. She was really young. And that was so I've I've always enjoyed her work. But to me, The Goldfinch is just a masterpiece. Right. And another book, you know, and I probably should reread it should have before recommending it again. But and this is this was came out in the 90s, I think, too. Cold Mountain by Charles Frazier. And uh, I Charles Frazier is another author. Book. I think he's just such a beautiful writer. Yes. Evocative story. Yeah. That, those are both actually excellent, excellent recommendations. So listen, Stacey Corliss, again, you're a very busy person, as we've just all heard. And um, it was so great for you to make time and talk to us about your role and, and your passion for the Eastern Sierra and what you're reading. Thank you for joining yeah. us. And thank you for, for all you're doing for Mono County. Thank you. And I will, I will uh, turn it right back to you and say thanks to you both for the work you do and for this uh, wonderful podcast that we all enjoy so much. <laughs> thanks. Thank you. And listeners, we will link everything that Stacy just talked about on our show page as we do normally, including the books and like links to the Mammoth Lakes Basin trails and stuff. So you can find out more information and get more context about the area if you're not as familiar with it as we are. In the meantime, thank you for listening to another episode of the Oxygen Starved podcast. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at O2Starved and also the corresponding Facebook page. You can also find our website with our show page, our notes, and our transcripts at oxygenstarvedpodcast.com. You can also email us from that website, and we love hearing from you. We love getting book recommendations, suggestions. And then lastly, just tell your friends about us. Um, We can be found on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, all the usual ones. In the meantime, we hope you're taking some time to breathe, to read, to get outside and move around a little bit. It's just so important these days, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. Incompetech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.